welcome everyone to an all-new episode of the Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I'm your host, Cape Joel, and joining me is Matt from Fortress of Solitude. How you going, Joel? Hmm. Doing good. You know, it's Super Bowl Sunday as we record this. I just got done a big Dungeons & Dragons session. I know I'm going to be up till at least 4 in the morning editing reviews and podcasts to send off to places. We're, we're very busy individuals, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, yeah, I I was meant to do a bunch of reviews last night, but I didn't because I decided to finish off playing Mass Effect Three. Oh, nice, nice. That's a, that's a pretty good excuse, though. I I enjoy Mass Effect Three. I don't care what anyone says. I actually quite like that one. I thought I don't know if it's like the perfect end to the series, and I definitely like Mass Effect Two more, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, well, look, since we've got the new one coming out next month, I went and bought the original three in the trilogy on origin and played through them all and just finished it off last night and it's pretty fun you think uh you think like a month before andromeda comes out they're going to be like hey playstation 4 owners be prepare to play the whole collection on next gen i hope not because i just paid money for that on pc <laughs> i'm honestly shocked they didn't announce andromeda and then say that was going to happen Exactly. I'm surprised, yeah, we didn't get it in, like, at, like, December last year or something, like some remaster or something. Because the game industry loves their re-releases right now. Bioshock got it. Kingdom Hearts is going to be getting it. Yeah, all the Resident Evils have been re-released on PS4. Yeah. You know, it's which on one hand, I'm like, okay, cool, thank you, video game industry, for, you know, maintaining a cohesion and, you know, a link to the past and, like, an actual continuity, much like comic books do, trying to make sure all those old uh, mm -hmm. trades and back issues and whatnot are available and everything. It's just, you know, it's just kind of funny the ones they pick and choose with. Well, I mean, obviously, the big series get it before the lesser-known series, and I definitely think uh, Mass Effect is deserving of it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Speaking of Mass Effect and comic books, you ever read any of those Mass Effect comics? I never did. I, I saw some of them. I like. I remember seeing pages from, I think it was one about like the elusive man's origin or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I never actually read them. No, I, ju I just know they exist. And I'm like, that's cool. It's a multimedia thing. Yeah. Now, uh, our first piece of news this week on the show is a piece that I'm sure when people hear it, they're going to be like, God damn it, Joel, that's like a week old now. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what happens when we record this show Sunday night to try and talk about all the news that happened in the week before and a big piece of news drops on Monday. We're sorry. Yeah. That's just the way yeah. the chips fall. And that piece of news is, of course, Ben Affleck announced that he is finally dropping out as director of Batman. It was up in the air for a bit there. He was doing a lot of negotiating in the press, a lot of, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but now it's official. He won't be directing the Batman. Well, the funny thing is, just two weeks prior to that, he came on Jimmy Kimmel and said he will definitely 100% be directing the Batman. Oh, yeah. And it's it's even funnier by the fact that he also made comments saying that he would not direct if the script was crap. Yep, which, whoo, man, even if he was just, you know, puffing out his chest, even if he was just trying to negotiate in the media, ah, it's hard to ignore that kind of thing. F furthermore, I'm sure you heard this even this week, the story evolved again to where he basically said, well, you know, I, I couldn't give 110% as both actor and director in this film, so I just had to pick one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, because a lot of people saw Live By Night, and they would agree <laughs> that you overextend <laughs> yourself as actor, director, writer, producer, catering guy. Thing is, he's done that before. He's... Mm -hmm. He, on, on like Argo and Town and gone, Baby Gone and uh, they, well, he, he yeah, technically gone. wasn't in Gone Baby Gone it was his brother but it was still great yeah yeah so it, it's really kind of weird and I was talking with people um, online about it and just a couple of days before that I think Zack Snyder or someone tweeted out pictures they were doing like ADR and looping for Justice League so there's a cut of that made so my, my my guess is that he's seen that and been like, oh, 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 I, I want to get out of here. There's a lot of very believable conspiracy theories that you can, you know, lead into this whole thing. And you know what? I can't really say any of them are wrong. What I do know for sure is that now that I know Ben Affleck isn't directing the Batman, I'm a lot less interested in the Batman than I was before. Yeah, yeah. 
that was kind of the carrot at the end of the stick where it's like, oh, sure, you know, Man of Steel might have disappointed. Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad were messes and everything and were hacked up in editing. But don't worry, Ben Affleck, one of the hottest, you know, young directors, one of the great comeback stories in Hollywood, he's going to be doing the Batman. I mean, this can't fail, right? Right? Yeah, and and then Live By Night came out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, which, you know, which I don't even like dogpiling on Ben Affleck, because like I said, he's kind of the comeback kid, and I've loved a bunch of the work that he's done since he sort of reinvented himself as a serious thinking man's actor, but ugh, ugh, this just doesn't feel good. And, you know, on the back of this, too, we heard word that apparently Argo writer and basically, basically Affleck's friend has completely and utterly rewritten the Batman, but I like, they don't, uh, they they don't put Chris Terrio as like, oh, you know, writer of Argo, they put him as writer of Batman v Superman touches up the Batman. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh. And it's like, you should have led with Argo, shouldn't you? (laughs) He had Argo or the town or something. And And I'm sure you've seen this tweeted around as well, which, you know, we talked about this last night where we're like, oh, they have to be trolling here. This has to be a joke. This has to be comedy where they're like a petition for, oh, Zack Snyder should direct the Batman. Oh, oh, when I saw that, I, we were talking about this yesterday after Cape TV. Um, and, and I said like, that's got to be a put on. That's got to, it's some elaborate ruse. No, is no is, is punk come back? Yeah. Is n- punk back? No one can actually mean that. And if they do mean it, I worry. I really worry. <laughs> I worry fully, completely. Uh, uh, also, too, well, again, the Super Bowl is happening while Matt and I are doing this. We haven't really had a chance to watch the bu- a bunch of the trailers, but we did see some new Justice League images that came out, didn't we? Yeah, with a skinny cyborg. <laughs> yeah, who looks very much like Mega Man. It's funny in that picture, the one color that was actually you know bursting out was the blue of his blaster hand, and that's what my eye kept getting drawn to. <laughs> Also yeah, shade- yeah, it, it's the only thing that's colored. And also shades of brown Aquaman. I'm like, yeah, we all know the famous brown costume that Aquaman wore. <laughs> he he um he fades into the background of that miscellaneous alien thing they're on. Yeah. They uh, they did actually cast uh, Aquaman's dad. I forget who they got, but they, I think they actually got an actor I liked for the role. They uh got the guy who played Urban Sir in Green Lantern. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Played Django Fett in Star Wars. That's right. Yeah, see, I knew he had been in some fun stuff before. Here's hoping he uh, is in something a little bit better than Green Lantern, we can only hope. <laughs> but much like as well, Sur in Green Lantern, he'll be killed in the first couple minutes. Yeah, yeah, we'll see him in a flashback or something. Man, that poor actor can't catch a break. He's always the father or mentor of someone who ends up dying, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's great in like he's um New Zealander, so he's he's great in like some New Zealand movies. Like there's one called Once Were Warriors. Mm-hmm. He's great in that. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's really great. I will. That sounds like a winner. Uh, keeping on the DC train here for a second. Uh, or, or no, actually pulling it back for a second to talk about the Batman thing because I had another point I wanted to make. It's hard to believe because I mentioned Aquaman. It's hard to believe the only production that dc's doing right now that doesn't seem really troubled is actually aquaman yeah well that's the thing people are now saying like this is it this is you know we're down to it this is the only one that's doing it it's only a matter of time before something goes wrong because you know they've kept the director happy on that one the director who you know is still riding pretty high with some good accomplishments they've got all the casting as we mentioned they cast his dad they cast black manta yep so, you know, that that's the untroubled one. Meanwhile, Wonder Woman's lost a couple directors, and that one is finally coming out. The Flash keeps losing directors, which blows my mind, because I'm like, how how can you not riddle out The Flash? He seems to be the easiest one, or at least he should be. Yeah, he. how hard is it to be to do a movie of a guy who runs really fast? Makes me worry, too, because I'm like, well, how much of a non-entity is The Flash going to be in this Justice League movie if they're still reworking and retweaking his solo movie? Yeah, that's the thing. They probably filmed all the stuff thinking they're going to start production on his film soon, and then suddenly his movie's been pushed back. His movie's getting a, a uh, page one rewrite, Damn. actually. See, there's... And there's, that means they throw everything out, yeah, basically. Yeah, there's, there's the major issue there of building your universe where you show all your characters up in one movie and then spin them off afterwards. Yep. 
There's there's the big issue. But hey, you know what? From the unsure and rocky future of the DC cinematic plane, we go to the much more brighter, much more hopeful, much more exciting world of DC characters on television. And uh, we've apparently heard word now that Black Lightning is going to be getting the pilot order from CW. Yeah, after being announced that it was being on Fox. Yeah. <laughs> Friggin' CW, man, they're the Borg of superhero shows. They just assimilate everything around them, and maybe it's for the better. Maybe we'd all be happier as part <laughs> of the CW Borg. How, how are they going to play it, though? Because Black Lightning in the Flash universe is um, just a movie character. Are they just going to do it like Supergirl, and he's going to be in a different universe? Or? Possible. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, a character gets powers and is inspired by the movie version. Or maybe they're just going to forget they ever said it was a movie. (laughs) You know, Black Lightning is one of those characters who I always thought he had a cool costume. He always showed up in the background of stuff like Justice League of America and the Outsiders and everything. But I can't tell you I know that much about him. No, I don't know much about him. The last time I actually saw him in a comic was the Injustice Year 5 annual where... Uh, Superman used him to help rebuild Metropolis. That's the last time I've seen him. Huh, interesting. I mean, but you know what? That might actually be the perfect thing for television because, you know, when you take a character who people don't really know that much about and they're not as married or as in love with the source material, that means you can make a lot of changes and alterations and, you know, you won't have hardcore fans like us and like our fans out there listening get all upset. That's true. Which, I mean, hey, there's something to be said about that. I mean, look at everything they're doing with the Ray right now. They've completely uh, breathed fresh life into the Ray, and they seem to be running with him as, like, a new character they're trying to launch. What with the, his little animated series he's getting on CW Seed and uh, even the new Justice League of America comics. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's getting totally revamped. Yeah, which, I mean, hey, they could do the same thing for Black Lightning. They could they could make him a contender, you know? <laughs> as they would say in the Rocky news. I'm excited for it, and you know what? Now would kind of be the time for it, because now that they've moved Legends of Tomorrow to the same night as Flash, because let's face it, that show needed the lead-in of a <laughs> more superior show like Flash, they have a whole night completely blank that they could put another superhero show on. Totally. Could you imagine a weird future of the CW where they're so popular, there's multiple superhero shows on every night? Yeah, well, it's almost like that. There's almost a show on every night, basically. And once Legion starts, then yeah. It's going to be crazy between that and Powerless and Damage Control. For for those who want to hear us talk more about this, be sure to listen to the brand new episode of Cape TV, which will be over on the Weekly Pool channel. That's where you can find that show. Now, Matt and I had a big, long conversation about all the TV shows this week. Yeah, big one. It was like 40 minutes long. Yeah, which, you know, is a a little longer than we usually make that show. I usually try and make that one a tad smaller. But yeah, I mean, that's Black Lightning. I'm interested about it. I think they could go to some interesting places with it. You know, I think he's got a cool power set, a cool costume and everything. I think, uh, yeah, I think he could be a success. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, And keeping on this whole CW superhero bent, because that's just kind of the week it was in news... Uh, you would actually probably be able to speak to this, Matt, more intelligently than me because you're a fan and you watch the show regularly. Uh, Kevin Sorbo has been cast as a villain for an upcoming episode of Supergirl. Yeah, Kevin Sorbo, who was actually almost Superman at one point. Shocking. Um, yeah, he's going to be a villain. We don't know who he's going to be a villain was, but this comes just after the fact that we learned that Terry Hatcher is also going to be in the show as a villain. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who he could be i'm guessing he's going to be some type of alien maybe yeah possibly i mean for all for all those youngins out there who don't know who kevin sorbo is and why this you know merits talking about you see kevin sorbo was in a show back in the 90s called the hercules and he was a big muscly man who got into greek adventures with his comedy fun loving sidekick and you know and he hung out with xena the warrior princess and we all really liked it it was a great time for tv it was, and now he's some crazy Christian. Yeah, now he's some crazy right-wing Christian who, when he's not in straight-up propaganda films like God's Not Dead, goes out of his way <laughs> to be like, oh, the reason I don't get hired in Hollywood anymore is because they hate good, honest Christian values. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he also blames the Jews for it, you know, anything else. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> also, too, apparently he's a huge Trump supporter, Sorbo, which is hilarious because we saw, uh, what is it, the actress who plays Supergirl, uh, you know, th- throwing some major shade at the Orange Menace. So I think it'll be interesting to see these two people square off on set against each other. <laughs> it will, definitely will be. It'll be something very interesting. When Supergirl beats the shit out of this guy's character, she actually means it. <laughs> Man, I might have to watch that episode just for that. <laughs> but yeah, so hey, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're a fan of Supergirl, and I know Matt is, you got that coming your way very soon. And man, keeping up with the TV, this is just a freaking TV-centric show all over the goddamn place, Matt. Two big casting things happened this week. I think one happened last week, and I think one happened two weeks ago. But uh, Marvel, in kind of a rare move for them, this wasn't done by any big entertainment site. This wasn't done by any blogger or YouTuber. They actually revealed these on their website officially. They've cast the Runaway series for Hulu, is that? That's going to be the Hulu show? I think so, yeah. Yeah, they cast, you know, uh, all your favorite characters, Alex and Gert and everyone else. The thing is, to me, and I really show my age as kind of an old fogey 20-something, where I'm like, I don't know who any of these actors are. No, I don't either. I think they're all completely unknown. I think they've been in, like, a couple of movies here and there, but well, well, not in major roles. They've, they've all been in stuff, like, you know, like New Girl and One Day at a Time and the one, and 100 Things to Do Before High School. It's just, like, they're all young actors, as they should be. And you know what? For once, I actually think that's a very good thing that I don't know who any of these actors are. Oh, yeah, definitely. It means I'll come in with no preconceived notions and be able to actually have them become the characters. And if this does well, they could really launch a whole, you know, career of all these young actors if the show, you know, becomes uh, becomes a big hit. Oh, yeah, totally. I could definitely see them, I don't know, maybe coming to movies or something. Or... That would be cool. It is weird because it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu, which means it's going to be... That like it's it's gonna be the odd man out, isn't it? It's connected, but it's not connected. But who knows? Yeah, Hulu seems like a really weird place to put it. It does, but you know, it also kind of makes sense because you know every everybody wants a superhero show, and Hulu being a streaming service, they can kind of take chances on stuff that I'm sure the big networks wouldn't be interested in taking. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I mean, you know, the the Runaways is such a cool, self-contained story, and those characters would go on, in some cases, to do some really cool shit, in some other cases, not so much. Uh, it's funny n- now we're kind of seeing a bit of a Runaways insurgence because uh, what is it? Uh, Alex Wilder is actually a villain currently in the new Power Man and Iron Fist run, and I thought that was really cool that they're bringing him back to prominence. Oh, so do do you reckon we'll probably be getting more Runaways in the near future? Maybe a book or something? Uh, yeah, that's that's the way they seem to do it, doesn't it? Defenders is getting a show, so Defenders gets a comic. You know, friggin' uh, Iron Fist show is coming out, so of course Iron Fist is getting a new solo series. Robbie Reyes does good on TV, so they bring his comic back, even though it's not nearly as good as it once was. <laughs> I, I wonder if they'd be willing to do that, if they'd be willing to reunite uh, all the Runaways for a new book. I, I know it's a super big cult hit, so I'm sure people would, you know, absolutely break their necks to go buy more Runaways if it was somewhere they could buy it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And hey, more power to them on that one. And the other big casting was Cloak and Dagger, yet another Marvel show for another network I'm not really familiar with, with actors I'm not familiar with, but I'm like, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe that's okay, though, that I don't know who these people are. Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, I don't even know who Cloak and Dagger are, really, anyway, so... <laughs> you know, they're a cool interracial couple, and they're superheroes, and, you know, they show up and stuff a bunch of the times... They're there, they're there <laughs> yeah, in the background. They just they just show up, you know, just to be on the on the the roster name. Yeah, you know, hey, if you ever need some seat fillers for a team, you got cloak and dagger. <laughs> you know, one guy, the guy can create portals. The woman can create energy weapons. That that's a fun power set. Yeah, I, I know I've said this before, and it bears repeating. My favorite version of cloak and dagger is actually the ultimate versions of cloak and dagger. What was their story? Uh, it was basically exactly the same, only, uh, what is it, the color schemes were switched around a little bit. Oh, okay. But by and large, they were the same. You know, they were, uh, what is it, they were high school lovers and everything. They were in a horrible accident. A company experimented on them, trying to turn them into super weapons. They broke out and started fighting crime. Actually, it was them 
Bombshell and Miles Morales, the Ultimate Spider-Man, who were on the very short-lived, like, Young Ultimates back when that was a thing. Oh, God, I remember the Young Ultimates. Very, very short-lived. But hey, you know what? Maybe, Maybe they'll find better success on TV, much like Black Lightning. It's one of those things where not everybody knows their backstory, but, you know, when you're just doing the elevator pitch for them, they sound kind of interesting, don't they? They do, yeah. Maybe maybe these characters, and this, I think, will be the proving ground for it, maybe characters who've never really thrived in the comics will thrive on television. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Where they're kind of free to be reworked and everything. And once again, with Cloak and Dagger, it's like, well, they're on this other network. Does that mean they can interact with S.H.I.E.L.D. or the movies? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We just we just don't know, Matt. There's a lot of stuff that we just don't know. But we're not afraid to admit we don't know things. No, no, we're not. Yeah, I just uh, don't know. All I can say is, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be an interesting time for comic book TV moving forward because, you know, that bubble certainly isn't bursting anytime soon. No, definitely not. Seems like every network seems like we're in a bit of an arms race now for everyone trying to get their brand new superhero show. It's true. I I wonder because, you know, we've seen Preacher come to TV. We've seen, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything else. What uh, what, what do you think is next? Because we're kind of in a day and age now where it's like, hey, all, all bets are off and you can do whatever you want. Oh, I don't know. I'm surprised we haven't gotten like a um, like a new Warriors TV show. Mm, see, that like, think- something like that. And I think that like kind of fits as well because they and you make it like how they were just before Civil War, that sort of reality TV show sort of thing. Most death. Uh, I know for a little bit there they've been talking about forever about uh, adapting stuff like Lock and Key. Or even, yep. uh, what's that other one I really love? Uh, American Vampire, that would probably be a great show. There's a lot of stuff that you know aren't even really traditional superhero books that I think would be great. Uh, Southern Bastards I've wanted to see turned into something forever. I know uh, WGN or whatever optioned the rights to make Scalped into a show, but we haven't heard anything from them yet if that's going to be a show or not, or if they just bought the rights to it. Yeah, I, I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. I hope to hear something about it. I really like that show. But then again, I also, or I like that idea for a show, even if I feel deep down, it would probably need like an HBO or something. Yeah, yeah. Or even an FX. Mm-hmm. Hey, spe- speaking of FX, you hear uh, Kirk Sutter's going back to the well and he's going to be doing like a Sons of Anarchy spinoff. Yeah, isn't it about that um that other biker gang that was in the show? Yeah, it's going to be about the Mayans now and they got the original guy back for that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I know Sons of Anarchy got pretty crap by the end. But it it did, and then it came back for a bit. It was a roller coaster. I was a fan and stayed with it all the way. But yeah, it was definitely definitely a roller coaster. I don't think anything ever topped season two in quality. No, oh yeah, the the early seasons were the best. And I'm sure for people are being like, hey, this isn't comic book stuff. Well, actually, it kind of is because Sons of Anarchy totally got a, a comic book tie-in. A couple. Yeah, actually. it did. It, it did. A, it did get a couple. It got a comic book tie-in, and it got a comic book prequel series that's actually going on right now. Yep. I I really dug it, but I live in like a very rednecky northern Canada area, and way too many d bags wear Sons of Anarchy merchandise and treat it like it's a real biker gang and not a made-up TV show. Uh, I actually I have a Sons of Anarchy T-shirt. I do too. I can't wear it out anywhere now because too many d bags no. have ruined it for me. <laughs> They really, really have. And also, it's funny, too, you know, we like, I have real bikers around here, too. That's kind of an issue where I'm like, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't wear it. <laughs> Just in case. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, uh, that's Runaway. That's Cloak and Dagger news. Should be interesting. You know, definitely, if you uh, want to see what comes of those shows, keep your eyes pinned to the channel. We'll definitely be talking about those shows as they become apparent. We'll at least give them the a first episode watch. Right, Matt? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, now over into the world of comics right here, and this is this is just kind of a fun little side story that I wanted to bring up because I assumed it would get a chuckle out of all of us. Uh, DC right now, obviously, they're doing great things with Rebirth. They're also putting a lot of time, money, and effort into their Hanna-Barbera universe. They got a new Johnny Quest comic. They got uh, Flintstones, which was actually on a lot of people's best of list last year because it was kind of like reimagined as this really biting political satire. They got the Mad Max wacky races. Well, you know what their next comic is, Matt? What's that? Snagglepuss. 
<laughs> oh, I don't even know, even. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Yeah, that guy is getting a comic. And guess what their new take on him is in this kind of more mature, more realistic take on Hanna-Barbera characters. What's that? He's a gay southern gothic playwright. <laughs> it's kind of obvious, is it? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of what he is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the stories would be about, but that's kind of a ballsy move. Just be like, hey, you know this comic character we always thought was gay because he was a big pink cat? Well, guess what? He totally was. <laughs> you were absolutely right. I, I, I don't know who that book is for, but I'm sure for the people who it is for, they'll absolutely love it. It'll it'll find someone. All those books have found someone. Like um, I I I read the first couple of issues of the Future Quest book, and it's it's really great. It's really great. Yeah, like if you have an affinity for the old Hanna Barbera stuff, or shit, even if you like Venture Brothers, that was my big thing yeah. reading it. Where I'm like, wow, Venture Brothers like did parodies and takes on Hanna Barbera's and eighty eighties car cartoons and stuff. But wow, this is this is doing it to itself. It's its own deconstruction. It's so meta. <laughs> it's incredibly meta and incredibly weird. Like Scooby-Doo and the Apocalypse, that's the other one they have. Yep. And that book's still going. In fact, all of those books seem to still be going strong, so I guess there must be something to it. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and they're starting to also cross over with Rebirth. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because we're getting a Booster Gold Flintstones crossover. That's pretty sick. You, you know what I think and, it is, Matt? You know what I think the key to its success is? I well, think I think people can pick it up, people who aren't regular comic fans or people who want to read comics but are scared by all the continuity and baggage. They can pick up like a Flintstones or a Scooby-Doo comic and be like, well, oh, I know what these are about, even if they are making it kind of different and making it kind of crazy and kind of meta. I think that's the key to its success. Accessibility. I think so. I think so. And it's also like the, the nostalgia thing as well. P older people see it and be like, hey, I remember those cartoons. Yeah, and even just kind of like, a, oh, you know, you know, uh, Scooby-Doo versus mo actual real monsters or, you know, friggin' uh, the wacky races if it was Death Race. Oh, well, I gotta see this. There's kind of like a like a perverse factor where it's like, oh, well, even if it's bad, I still gotta see it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, good, good for them. Good going. I wonder, I, I wonder, I was talking about this before, too, with all these, you know, uh, nostalgia projects and everything. How come no one has tried to pitch a new Captain Planet book? Yeah, that I actually was thinking about that the other the other day and thinking, yeah, well, it seems like and and like in in this day and age as well, it's quite topical it would be. as well. Um, uh, yeah, I'm surprised they haven't done it, and they, and they could easily make it like something like the Champions book as well. Indeed, I do believe, if I am not mistaken, uh, DC did own the publishing rights to Captain Planet at one time, but I don't think they have them anymore. I think those rights lapsed. I think one of the big issues of that is who the hell owns Captain Planet now? <laughs> Ironically, I think it's Ted Turner, because that was one of his things. I think it went back to Ted Turner now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, for real. Because, you know, that's the robot chicken sketch, Captain Planet. <laughs> Ted Turner was really weird for a minute. He wanted all the kids to read, so he made the page master, and he wanted to save the environment. So he made Captain Planet. <laughs> Very strange. He's a funny guy, that Ted Turner, I tell you what. So, uh, yeah, with that, everyone, I guess uh, that'll just about do it for the news this week. Kind of an eclectic week, not a hell of a lot to talk about, but I'm glad we were at least able to squeeze 30-odd minutes out of that. That's pretty fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And from there, we can hop on over to what we read uh, read this week. It wasn't quite the avalanche of books that it has been, but there was still plenty to plenty to see, right? Oh, totally. Uh, would you Would you like to go first, Matt? Uh, yeah. Um. So I'm going to start with a book that I know you didn't read, and I know a lot of people aren't reading, but they probably should. That's the Fall and Rise of Captain Adam issue yes. two. Yeah, you're carrying a torch for this book. Do Do tell why. It's really great, and I think it's definitely going to be one that's going to be involved in Rebirth's plot, mm. uh, mainly for the fact that Nathaniel Adam, the Captain P Atom of... I almost said Captain Planet. <laughs> Captain Planet! Um, the Captain Atom of the New 52 universe has time travel powers now, uh, thanks to his weird nuclear fusion quantum abilities and he got he got in the last issue he got sent back to 1994 <laughs> and he actually lived it through the 90s for up until i think 2000 he lived he actually settled down had a had a wife and everything Jesus. um 
And unlike every other time travel story ever written, he did nothing to fuck with the timeline. Oh, that's good. He is actually kind of paranoid about it. He's like, what can I do that won't mess up anything? Uh, finally, and, someone um, who learned. Someone who finally knows the rules, Matt. Yeah, so, and, but thing is, he kind of did mess with the timeline, but for the better, because mm. uh, he's an ex uh, Air Force pilot, so he becomes a search and rescue helicopter pilot. Cool. And one of the people he saves is Perry White. Oh. So he saves him from dying to go on to become the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. Oh, shit. So without even trying to affect history, he had a big mark on history. Yeah, and it's not until right near the end of the book that his powers start to come back, and his powers come back, and he ends up time-traveling, but it looks like it's some unseen force that's pulling him back through time because he shouldn't exist. Oh. So we don't know what who who that force is, but the force drops him in 2017. Oh, shit, modern day. After being gone for so long, now he's back and he has to be like, oh, so everything's different now than it was when I left it. Yep, yep. Huh. Yeah, I, I get the feeling like that's going to be a book that reads really great in trade once it's done. Yeah, well, it's only going to be um six issues. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. So it's a nice little mini is what you're telling me. Yep. Uh, what else was going on this week? Oh, I read too many books. Oh, I did as well. <laughs> I've, I've done it again, Matt. I've read too many books. I can't keep track of anything. Oh, I mean, I'm sure a book that you and I both love to death, and I'm sure we could talk about to no end, but uh, Superman from this week. Yeah, the end of the multiplicity arc. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I think I enjoyed the other issues leading up to this more than I did this one because they they kind of rushed the conclusion along, but... They rushed it along to a big purpose because once again we see Mr. Oz and how he's been pulling strings in this. Yeah, he ends up taking Prophecy, who may or may not be a Superman. Yeah, they definitely, he certainly dresses like a Superman. And yeah. his, uh, his plan, while evil, was very much kind of steeped in, you know, oh, I'm doing this for the greater good type thing. Yeah, and his whole plan was to gather all the Superman, take all their energy, and use it to fight. What I'm, I guess, is Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, he, he says, you know, like a cosmic force that's out there somewhere that's coming for all of us. And I mean, really, what could it be if not Dr. Manhattan? Yeah, exactly. And the fact that Oz grabs him, too, makes me wonder, A, are we going to see him again and is he going to play a bigger part? And two, is Oz pro-Dr. Manhattan or anti-Dr. Manhattan? Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I think he's anti and i think he's collecting all these people who are trying to oppose dr manhattan to sort of form a team himself and sort of get them in line because he says at the end like it was that the, the prophecy was doing what he was doing in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah he does very so maybe, much look like he's building a team you got prophecy you got tim drake am i missing anyone else oh doomsday he got doomsday too. yeah doomsday so he's getting some heavy fucking hitters isn't he yep and you gotta wonder what's he gonna do with them shit imagine if that spun out into a team book mr oz and his group yeah 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 definitely like a justice league book or something smart ass tim drake right alongside a multi-dimensional superman in doomsday <laughs> that'd be a hell of a book it was and it, it was great and also i think this book sort of uh further um confirms my theory about superman being superman blue yeah because when they all get their powers back they glow with an ominous blue light don't they yeah and that's sort of after superman delivers a quite a hopeful little speech as well and that's something that superman blue he's very hopeful and mm -hmm. good at that sort of stuff yeah and once again when they show all the different multiversal superman and they show a ton of them superman red and blue are not amongst them no no they're not <laughs> and we've seen so many different versions of superman in so many different stories in dc rebirth but we never see them nope we, we've seen we've seen superman blue once in a dream sequence yeah. in trinity hey someone pointed out to me and i never had an answer for this maybe you do how come val zod didn't show up in this multiplicity story well the thing is he did on the cover but wow. um and we did see him in like the cage thing but um yeah, it's really kind of weird, but also he's sort of dealing with his own stuff over on Earth, too. That's true. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of weird. Maybe it was just one of those things like, oh, we had too many characters. We didn't want to put him in there or uh, sort of mess up stuff what's going on in Earth, too, or something. 
Yeah, S Superman is getting so fascinating now, and they're really having one hell of a tapestry of stories, like the whole family of books you kind of got to read. Yeah, yeah, they're sort of connecting them all. As it was in the pre-Flashpoint thing, they'd all sort of uh, run over into each other. I can't wait for Superman Reborn. That's happening pretty soon, huh? I think after the next arc, I think the next arc is, is like one of those filler arcs where he meets mm. super, the Superman of Asia. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, and I think just after that is Superman Reborn. Nice, nice. And, uh, I mean, I guess contrasting Superman, we also had Batman number 16 this week. This was the beginning of I Am Bane. And anyone who's listened to the show knows I've been running pretty hot and cold on Tom King's Batman. But you know what? I liked this issue. I, I liked it, though there were some parts in it that made me go, like, really? Why? Oh, like Catwoman coming back? All that, and, like, Bane can only attack Gotham and Batman for five days. And then after that, he can't. I, I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't remember the five days thing. What was the five days thing about? Um, well, uh, he he has five days to get uh, Gotham Girl, the, the stuff that Psycho Pirate did to oh, yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. He's got five, five days, five treatments for Gotham Girl. And in those five days, they'll be vulnerable or something. Mm -hmm. So that's when Bane will attack even a lot. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what will happen after those five <laughs> days? Like, can he just not attack? It does kind of seem like a self-imposed ticking clock, doesn't it? Yeah, like it's like one of those things like you see in the movies, we only have 24 hours to do this or something. I mean, the big standout of this issue, and I think everyone will agree, is Batman and the sidekick's trip to Batburger. Oh, that was great. That was wonderful. You know what? It gives Tom King a chance to write the extended family members and all the sidekicks, and you know what? He has a flair for them. Oh, he does. He makes Damien a relentless little shit. He really, really does. He's like, I did not ask for the child's meal, but I'll eat it anyway. And, and he ends up getting a Red Hood toy. Not just any Red Hood toy, but the shitty DCU costume version of him. <laughs> and Red Hood himself being like, hey, if you don't want the toy, I'll take it. No, it is my toy, Jason. You cannot have it. Yes, you and your receding hairline. Oh my, I died at that bit, the receding hairline bit, because as someone who has a history of receding hairlines in the family, and if you look at my old videos versus me now, mine is starting to recede just a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, that's going to be me. <laughs> oh no, Jason Todd, that's my future. Jokerized fries, that's pretty funny too. I like that. I like that. that that's something Bruce gets angry at. <laughs> yeah, the Joker is a killer. The, you know, the, the heart of madness. Why would you do that? Just b b people like to have purple and green on their fries, man. <laughs> and, he, and he eats his burger with a knife and fork. With a knife and fork. And I'm like, yeah, that's what a rich weirdo would do, wouldn't he? Yeah, it was a sort of like Duke says, he's like, yeah, we're going to address what's happening here. And the fact that Dick and all the other sidekicks are like, oh, you've never seen him do this before, have you? Like, to them, it's just normal, but they've never seen it. <laughs> That's I, I like, too, they really did grow Duke as a character in this issue, because all the other Robins, you know, when Batman says, stay out of it, I have to do this alone. And they're like, yeah, 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 you say that every time and every time we help you anyway, so we don't even know why you bother. But Duke's like, hey, you know what, Robins? I'm not a Robin. I'm going to do this differently. He tells me to sit out. I'm going to sit out. Yeah, and um, sticking around actually kind of bites them in the ass a little bit. A little bit. But, I mean, come on. We know that's got to be some manner of fake out. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, all what, this... if, but like, what if it wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> then I think, you know, that would really affect the Nightwing, Red Hood, and Teen Titans <laughs> book if it did. <laughs> But yeah, I actually quite enjoyed this issue. For its for its few small problems, I actually enjoyed this one way more than I did the last couple arcs, and I'm hoping yeah. this keeps up moving forward. Yeah, hopefully. I like this because even ba though Batman was a weirdo, we had people to latch on to and people to follow. And you know, you actually kind of saw Batman through the eyes of his sidekicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else did you have happening this week, Matt? Uh, I had I Darth Maul issue one. I read this too. It was pretty damn good. It was pretty good, wasn't it? This uh, this kind of goes to retcon and reimagine his early training with Palpatine and sort of fit it into this new universe where Darth Maul is actually way more important than the Phantom Menace ever made him out to be. Yeah, and it paints him as sort of like a um, kind of like how Anakin is in 
in the fact that he's he's very um impulsive. he can't sit still yeah he's impulsive he needs to be out testing himself and fighting jedi or something but his master won't let him because phantom menace yeah yeah because phantom menace that's the best reason <laughs> I, I and like uh, yeah, he yeah, it hangs out in creepy good. alleys, like you know, some sort of weird, uh, what is it, uh, back alley uh, molester, just hanging out. They're like, "Oh, are they going to see me, those Jedi?" Yeah, and he's like baiting them into into corridors and stuff, hoping to kill them. But then his master says, "No." Yeah. Oh, not today. Can't do it. He 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 literally is like a teen. Like you know, Dad, I want to go kill the Jedi. No, no, we have you know, we have a dinner date. We can't we can't do that. <laughs> and in intrusive fashion, he decides to betray his master and and go after this Jedi that's apparently been captured by a crime lord. Yeah, by some uh, yeah, and and to do that, he has to kill a bunch of those uh, a bunch of those Trade Federation guys. Who, geez, they do not have uh, long shelf lives. Those dudes do do they? No, no, they just die every, everywhere, anywhere. Let, let, let me ask you this. When you were reading their dialogue in this book, did you read it in the uh, offensive Asian-ish voice that uh, they had in the movies? I did. <laughs> oh, no, the pirates have taken over the station. What is wrong with you, George Lucas? <laughs> the Trade Federation. I, I'm not being racist. That's George Lucas who made them sound that way. <laughs> God damn it. But yeah, that, that was a really cool book. I'm really interested to see where this one goes. I know we've chatted about this before when we talk about Rebels, but isn't it amazing to think that Darth Maul, who is such a nothing character in Phantom Menace, would end up actually becoming, you know, such a likable character throughout the extended continuity? It, it is really great. It's really surprising as well. I never would have picked him as a character. Like, if you went back and saw Phantom Menace for the first time and, you, you know, say, like, that character is going to be important in the coming years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it seems like his uh, his story arc is actually reaching an end in Rebels because they're hyping up uh, this season, you know, a final showdown between him and Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's coming to an end. He's had a long, long history. <laughs> he really has. A very, a very you know, almost confusing history, too, because it's like he had the movies, then he had the cartoons, then he had more cartoons after it. Yeah, and now you've got a comic that goes back further. Yeah, for real. It's for, for really real, man. So, I mean, yeah, that's Darth <laughs> Maul. Really good villain book. In a, in a time when there's a lot of really good villain-led comics. You know what came out this week was a villain-led comic, but wasn't very good? What's that? Bullseye number one. Ah, oh, that's sad to hear. I was so excited for Bullseye, especially after the last couple issues of Daredevil, where Bullseye showed up. That book was amazing. This one, not so much. Was the Daredevil one like a prequel to this series? Yes and no. It's like Bullseye's back, and he does answer the question in this issue where it's like, hey, weren't you in an iron lung? Weren't you dead? And he's like, yeah, I was, but then the hand brought me back to life and, you know, did a bunch of crazy shit. Basically what he's saying is like, yeah, after Secret Wars, I was fine. Oh, okay. Which is fine. I accept that. Uh, what's the thing about the book I didn't like is that you know it's Ed Bresson who writ, writ this one who writ I mean wrote pfft, words <laughs> I know words <laughs> yeah he uh, he wrote this one and you know usually I'm pretty cool with his writing I like some of the stuff that he does here though I I just didn't agree with his characterization of Bullseye for one he never shuts the hell up he's got verbal diarrhea oh no and it's like a mixture of verbal diary and also like text box diarrhea like he talks way too much and says nothing and i compared that to the darth maul comic where maul barely says anything that's not like in his internal monologue yeah kid keeps with his character and also too i felt they tried a little too hard to be like oh he's a crazy killer oh he'll kill anybody for any reason he's sitting there talking to his lawyer and he gets a bunch of paper clips and he starts like killing people down below with paper clips. And I'm like, okay, one bullseye and paper clips reminds me too much of the Daredevil movie, and two, you're just trying <laughs> too hard. Yeah, that that does sound like it's trying too hard. Way yeah, too hard. <laughs> and it's funny too, because you see Bullseye out of costume for a lot of this. He like has a hoodie and sweatpants, and that's what he just walks around on with his hood up and everything. And it's like, oh yeah, no one can tell who he is. Yeah, he's just got a massive freaking bullseye on his forehead. But yeah, no one, no one knows who he is. 
And again, they just go overboard in the, oh, he's crazy. Look, he, he walked into the airport with his costume, and oh, he's just stabbing people because he's got to kill someone every two seconds. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, especially because you know, I, I have always equated Bullseye in many ways to being like the Marvel's answer to the Joker in terms of like, you know, sheer cruelty and sheer like, you know, body count against his hero. I guess what yep. always kind of worked about Bullseye is that he was a mystery and you never knew what he was thinking and he always showed up and only said just enough to get Daredevil's goat. But to actually, you know, be allowed to get inside his head and everything and actually hear him talk, all I can think is like, dude, you're just not that interesting. <laughs> and that's really sad because I was so excited for Bullseye. Yeah, I was actually thinking about picking it up because it seemed like a pretty good book, and I know you'd love the, the Daredevil series. Yeah, it's it's only going to be a mini, though. It's This is a mini, the Kingpin book is coming out, and the Electra book is coming out, and they're all coming together for a big crossover event called uh, Running with the Devil. Oh, okay. So I might have to keep reading it if only I want to know the whole story. Yeah, well, it might get better. Yeah, it might. It, it always could. I hope the Kingpin one is good. Yeah. I really hope that one's good, especially because, you know, they've really taken a lot of reference from the Netflix show, and current Kingpin is just straight-up Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, and, and his Secret Wars book was really good as well. Yeah, I was, no, was it the Secret Wars, or was it the Civil War Two? Civil War Two. Yeah, that, that one was really good. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't finish that one because the art wasn't great, but I stuck around for the writing. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, what, uh, what else did you have happening this week, Matt? Uh, I had Avengers issue 4. I had this one too. This was only 12 pages. It was, and it was a retelling of Kang's origin. Yeah, which you would figure four issues into this story even more if you count what Mark Wade was doing in all new, all different Avengers. I'm like, why are you only telling us his origin now? You would assume you would know who he is by now or know what his deal is. Yeah, or if you didn't, this would be one of your first issues. Yeah, not issue four. Yeah, it, it felt really weird, but it was really cool. I, I guess maybe because of Mike Del Mundo's art. Which oh, was it's great. fucking stunning. I, I've always loved Mike Del Mundo's art. Hilariously, he worked on Electra for a little bit. Yeah, his art's been amazing. And in this book as well, he's been doing it since issue one. Dude, dude was born to draw a major book like Avengers or something. I'm surprised it took them so long to put him on a book like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like it. He really, he really freaking loves Kang's face and everything. And you know, he he wears a mask, but they do all the tricks to you know convey emotion in all the scenes and everything. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. And we even get an interesting stinger at the end where the Avengers show up at the end of time to stop Kang, and they're accompanied by the original Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers, I guess, may, maybe that, that Avengers 1.1 book is going to get a crossover with the, these Avengers, maybe? kind of seems that way, because it's more or less the same makeup, isn't it? Yeah, I, I kind of dropped that Avengers 1.1 book, same. but it was really good, because it, it's, like it's like the side story that, the, that happened after the original team ended, and we got people like... Uh, Hawkeye and everything joining the team, and it's like the second team. Yeah, yeah. It's it's wonderfully retro, especially if you can remember yeah. the comics at that time. I think it'll be a great nostalgia trip. Oh, definitely. But yeah, Avengers number four, eh, not really necessary in the greater scheme of things, and I, I would kind of refuse to pay the sticker price for what is only 12 pages of story. Yeah, yeah, it was. I don't know why it was twelve pages. This is, could have been like a backup story told in like three pages. It felt like it was supposed to be a backup, but they're like, ah, oh, blow it up to a couple. Yeah, we need to stall time for the next issue or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's very fucking weird. Very fucking weird indeed. Uh, another book I had this week, Nightwing number fourteen. This was the conclusion of the first Bloodhaven storyline. Cool. I thought it ended pretty good, cool. You know, it definitely wasn't as explosive as the previous Nightwing stories have been. This was a very grounded, very down-to-earth, street-level Nightwing story is what this was. Cool. Uh, the thing I appreciated about it is that they really flesh out the police force in Bloodhaven, and they're kind of shitty. There's this one cop who I basically called her female Harvey Bullock because she drinks and smokes and eats a lot of food and everything, uh, Detective Saboba. And uh, her thing there is like, look, I'm going to help you, Nightwing, bust this criminal who's been killing rich people in Bloodhaven. But once you once you crack the case, I get to take the credit for it. And the police force gets to take the credit for it because I want them to know that the cops keep them safe, not uh, not superheroes. Huh. 
Yeah, that's kind of cool. Also, you know, Dick's only been in town for a little bit, and he already has a girlfriend because, of course, he does. Yep. He's Dick. He's catnip to women in the comic universe. And at the end of this issue, too, they tease the return of an old character we haven't seen in forever, Knight Hyphen Wing. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I take it you don't know who Knight Hyphen Wing is. No, no, I don't. He's a crazy orphan who dresses up in a superhero costume and goes to beat people up. Oh, okay, so White Nightwing. <laughs> yeah, only this guy's clinically insane and also not nearly as well-trained or has nearly as much cool toys. <laughs> but the funny thing is, Nightwing's new costume, sorry, Night Hyphenwing, I know it's confusing, his new costume is just like Nightwing's, only it's red like the new 52 version. Oh, I wonder what they're saying in that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what they're saying that, you know, hey, new 52 version of the costume made him look like a crazy villain. Why did he have to wear red for so long? <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely interested to see where this is going from here on out. I think Tim Seeley really has a way with this character, and I really appreciate the back-to-basic storytelling here for Nightwing. Nice. Uh, what else did you have going on, Matt? I had Star Wars issue 28. Oh, yes, another Yoda piece you were telling me. Yeah, this this one kind of threw me off because it was the second week in a row we've had a main Star Wars book. They've done two in a row, mm -hmm. um, which is really weird because this is a monthly book. Um, but yeah, it's the continuation of the Yoda storyline, which is a lot longer than I originally thought it was. Um, and it's, it's Luke reading from Obi-Wan's journal about Yoda going on an adventure to a planet that is covered in rocks that are... Uh, strong with the force mm -hmm. and in this issue he travels into the mountain to find the heart of the mountain which he finds is a literal heart and the mountain isn't an actual mountain it's a creature oh really yeah so i, I don't know what kind of creature it is but it, it's pretty awesome but the interesting thing is the the movie uh movie the comic ends with luke actually finding the planet that Yoda went to, and he is actually heading there oh, now. Man. So I don't know whether they're going to, like, tie this Obi-Wan storyline into the next arc of the actual present Luke Han and Leia storyline or something, right. but seems pretty interesting. Man, I got to get caught up on Star Wars. You always make it sound so good every week, and I'm always like, man, why haven't I been reading that? It is so good. Jason Aaron does such a good job on that book. Jason Aaron's killing it on everything he touches, from Southern Bastards to Thor to Doctor Strange to Star Wars. The dude is a machine. Yeah, and he's been writing it since the very beginning. I think we've had like one issue that was written by someone else, but he out of like you know twenty-seven out of twenty-eight books, he's done. It's uh, it's hard to believe too that Marvel has had the rights to these Star Wars comics for so long, and they haven't trotted out the obvious thing, and that is Star Wars crossovers with Marvel heroes. I think it's bound to happen. That's like what I said in my Darth Maul review. Like, it, I'm surprised it took him so long to get a Darth Maul book out since he's really popular. I, th I would have thought that would have been like day one, we're doing a Darth Maul comic. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a license to print money, isn't it? And again, too, I'd be like, with the quality of writers they got on, if Jason Aaron did like, oh, Thor meets Star Wars, I'd probably read it. Yeah, that'd be really cool. <laughs> I can see it right now, you know, Jane Foster or, you know, Odinson, whoever you want, is screwing around with Mjolnir one day and ends up tearing a hole into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and, and runs into a Star Destroyer or something. Uh, and then, you know, you got Mjolnir and the lightsabers rubbing up against each other, and it's like, oh, what's happening? Oh, uh, that'd be awesome. See, it fucking writes itself, doesn't it? I don't know how you get <laughs> to that moment, but it writes itself. Oh, you... I don't know. And then we get, like, the lightsaber Mjolnir combination. <laughs> oh, there you go. And then Loki gets to hang out with the Sith, and they're like, good, good, I sense much anger in you. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're away scheming. Yeah, really. And he's like, no, 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 thanks. I, I don't need any dark side power. I've got my own amazing godlike power. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> the Force is kind of nothing compared to what I can do. Uh uh, so what else do we have going on? Uh, oh, Old Man Logan number 17. You read this one yet? No, I, I kind of stopped reading it after like issue six or something. This new storyline is absolutely fucking insane, but in the best way possible. So like Wolverine gets called to an Alpha Flight space station because they've been attacked by the Brood. And mm -hmm. you get kind of this cool alien storyline where Wolverine in a space suit and Puck are going up and down these corridors chasing off evil killer aliens. But also, 
Old Man Logan is sort of losing his mind and imagining himself in the future of the Wasteland where he left before coming to join the main universe. Okay. So it's also kind of a sequel to Old Man Logan where he needs to hunt down the Hulk baby that he had saved from Banner at the end of the original Old Man Logan. Yeah. And he hears that, hilariously enough, Kang has kidnapped the baby and he's like, oh, I gotta save the baby from Kang. Only for, like, a beaten-down, broken, shitty Kang to be like, no, I took the baby not to be evil. I needed to save the Wasteland and save the future because that child becomes the warlord of the Wasteland, the cruelest, most evil tyrant the world has ever known. Goddamn, Kang and his kidnapping babies. He really is terrible for it, isn't it? He's just kidnapping babies all over the damn place. Sometimes he kidnaps himself as a baby. <laughs> But, but here's the extra rub that makes it amazing. So Wolverine comes face-to-face with the Warlord of the Wasteland, and the kid blames Wolverine for him becoming evil, saying, you abandoned me, you left for the past, you left me behind. Had you stayed or had you taken me with you, I never would have become this way. I'm everything you made me, Logan. Huh. And I'm like, Jesus, man, freaking kids. You just, you know, you try so hard, but it's never good enough in the end for them. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that's kind of cool where it's like, all right, so you're telling a future story in the Old Man Logan history, but it might not be real. That's the big thing. Like, Wolverine might be losing his mind. This might be, like, his guilt manifesting for the world that he left behind. Oh, okay. So it's kind of interesting to see them play with that because they had pretty much done everything they could, you know, filling out the backstory of Old Man Logan in the lead-up to the original Mark Millar story. So I think it's cool how they found a way to have their cake and eat it, too. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, what's the next book on your list there, Matt? I'm I'm quickly running out of mine. Uh, I had Justice League issue 14. Didn't read this one, but I heard great things, though, about it, interestingly. It was really cool, but it should have been an issue that happened maybe second, third issue into this new series. Right. Uh, so, Justice League fighting a big, evil space colony that comes to Earth, blows a hole in it. And in doing you know, an so, they Tuesday. yeah, yeah, an average Tuesday for the Justice League, and they all get trapped underground, under Canada, specifically. Oh shit! Um, uh, without their powers, they're sort of trapped in this cave after a, a collapse, and it gives them time to sort of work out their problems with each other and all their distrust that they have for both Superman and the new Green Lanterns. You're right. That should and, have been issue too. Yeah, and it was a great issue as well because uh, Superman uh, kind of tells the team that Bat- Batman has uh, contingencies for all of, all of them, something <laughs> that they they didn't know. And, you know, they've been on a team for, like, what, all 52 of the new 52 issues plus this now. So it, it's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been a while. Um, but what, what I really liked about this is that Superman's talking to him and he says something that Batman said to him, but Batman's like, I never said that to you. And he's like, no, my Batman said that to me. <laughs> so you're, you're pretty much the same person, which is like his point. He's the same Superman, yeah. just different. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, I, I, you're right. That should have been a second issue. I had a hard time keeping up with this new Justice League book just because it seemed like they were drawing out the team actually liking each other. Yeah, yeah, it's been like all through the the, the the 14 issues before this, they're like, oh, we don't trust you. We don't trust you because you're new. You, you, you're on this team because we need to look after you. I can't, can't trust the new guy, even though he's risked his neck dozens upon dozens of times to try and save the whole world. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was that. Uh, I uh, I had Green Arrow this week. Did you read that? I haven't reviewed it yet, but I have read it. Yeah, uh, I actually quite enjoyed this issue. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. It's the wrap-up of Green Arrow versus the Vice Squad, the return of his sister. Yeah, and um, I'm, what I'm really surprised is, though, that we didn't get a lot of Malcolm Merlin this issue. No, no, we didn't. We got just enough. He's kind of like the shark in Jaws. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of appeared there at the end. But, uh, yeah, the the stuff with Red Arrow was pretty cool. I like that she comes in and is basically like, I'm coming back as Red Arrow on my own terms, not yours, so shut up. <laughs> Which, again, is, you know, story of Oliver Queen's life when it comes to sidekicks. Hey, I'm your partner, not your sidekick, not your son, not your whatever. <laughs> 
what I, what I really appreciated about this issue, and I appreciate it as a longtime Green Arrow fan, because they show us something here that we don't see all that often, and that is that, uh, you know, Ollie kind of matures a little bit as a character and as a person, and he actually wants to trust the chief of police, uh, Westberg. He wants to trust him so much he ends up revealing his secret identity to him. But, of course, because this is the penultimate issue in the Emerald Outlaw storyline, you just know that couldn't end well. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> but I, I thought that was nice. You know, Westberg, for the time that he was in the comic, you know, kind of impressed me the way he carried himself and being like, you know, oh, yeah, I hate all the dirty cops in my department, but I can't fight them all one-on-one. I need someone like Green Arrow because the only way to, you know, beat a, a bad cop is with a good cop. Yep, yep. I actually thought that was very nice. And, too, you know, the the comic kind of casts an eye, too, on, you know, the over-militarization of police forces in the United States because Green Arrow asked the very important question, hey, where the hell did they get all this high-tech weaponry and shit? Yeah, yeah. They just they just seem to have all this really great police gear and all these guns and everything. Only to have the police chief be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they keep giving that to us. <laughs> They're so damn afraid of riots and everything else, they've actually given us a fucking tank for some reason. Yeah, it's very topical. Very topical indeed, which, you know, great Green Arrow stories usually are. So, I mean, yeah, that was Green Arrow for this week. I thought it was very solid, and I'm interested to see how they're how they're going to end this arc, which ended up being a really long arc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. It was like what six or seven issues, something like that. Yeah. This was this this was a saga, is what this was. Yeah. Uh, now, what what was the last book you had this week? Because I think I had one more to talk about. The last book I had this week was Green Lanterns issue sixteen. Oh yes, yes, yes. I heard great things about this. Yeah, the Green Lanterns teamed up with Batman. That's cool. Yeah, Batman actually called them up and asked for help. <laughs> I'm um, over my head, I need some help. Yeah, so they come to Gotham and there's a bunch of fear-related crimes happening and they, they all revolve around the people fearing Batman. Interesting. And as we learn, it is the Scarecrow who has access to Yellow Lantern energy somehow. Ooh. Probably... probably a result of him getting a yellow lantern during that Sinestro core book. That's a nice uh, bit of a uh, nice bit of continuity, isn't it? Yeah. Now he doesn't actually have the ring cause it came, it got taken back by the lantern core at the end of that, but he has some of its power or something. Mm-hmm. We're not really too sure yet, but the, one of the best things about this book is that, um, Batman actually comes to blows with Simon who, as you know, Simon carries a gun. Uh, Batman doesn't like guns, and and even Jim Gordon pulls him up and says, "Hey, you can't carry that without a free, without a free carry per license." And um, yes, yeah, basically, he him and Batman get into a fight over the gun about them keeping the gun because it might save his life one time. And it ends up biting Simon in the ass since Alfred gets infected with the fear stuff and uses the gun to t- take him hostage. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, which is great to see. Is great to see Alfred beating the shit out of this this Green Lantern. Yeah, really oh, old ass proper Alfred. Oh, sir, I'm going to take out the trash and kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I, I like it when Alfred beats people up. He did it all the time in Justice League and stuff. Yeah, he did it in Injustice. He beat the shit out of Superman. Yeah, he really, really did, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, was that it for this week, or did you read anything else? Because I know I basically read everything else. I, I read Deadpool. Deadpool was fine. It was, you know, kind of a bridging issue between the last arc and the new arc. Yeah. Uh, was that it for you? You had nothing else to talk about? No, no, no. I had, I've still got books I've got to read and review. So yeah. Same. You know, it was kind of a lighter week, but we still got plenty to do and plenty to talk about. Yep. Yeah, so uh, anything coming out in your channel in the next little bit, Matt, people can look forward to? Um, I've got some things in the works. I just just yesterday night, or this morning actually, if you're in America, released a DC Rebirth guide yes. uh, uh, ahead of the upcoming Button and Superman Reborn books. So definitely go check that out. I know a lot of people are actually liking it because they were kind of confused about what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Now is totally the time to do one of them. Yeah, but uh, I've got some other stuff coming out. I'm probably going to do more Resident Evil playthroughs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're having a lot of fun with that. I'm uh, I'm watching the two best friends play through that right now and really enjoying it. 
Yeah, it's a great game. I always do the same thing with their videos where I'm like, oh, I might buy this game myself soon. But yeah, I'll just watch like the, them play the first hour to you know, really know what I'm getting myself into. Oh, they put a new one out. Oh, they put a new one out too. Oh, damn it. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just keep playing it then. I know, I know I've had some general scares just watching other people play it. So, I mean, I think that speaks to the quality. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely a terrifying game. Yeah, it, it's jumpy, but you know, even just like the sound design, really good, creepy sound design. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the, we'll start wrapping down the show for this week, uh, people. As always, thank you for listening. Thanks for liking, subscribing, doing all that social media jazz. Thanks for checking out Matt and myself on Twitter and Facebook, where you know you can find us and get updates on all the videos we got coming down the pipeline. Uh. I feel like I have more to say here. Don't I usually say more here, Matt? Check out Cape TV over on the Weekly Pool channel. Yes, yes, it's getting some really good numbers there. And, you know, thank you if you're new and you only found me and Matt through that show. That's really cool, I think, that, you know, you found us through that means. Oh, thank you for uh, all the patrons who, of course, get to listen to these shows early before anyone else. Uh, I think payments transferred either today or tomorrow for that which you know will really help go a long way for me in the upcoming weeks and months because i will be heading to the emerald city comic-con be sure to catch me there that's official now official and booked and everything so you know that's going to be fun it's going to be my first time ever in seattle i've heard lots of cool things yeah yeah sounds fun if uh if it's anything like new york i probably won't get to do any of the tourist things i want to do because i'll be too busy doing con stuff <laughs> So definitely, you know, keep tuned and keep uh, up to date on all of that. And until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Comic Multiverse. I have been Joel. I'm Matt. And we will see you all next week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.